Welcome to PR Decoded. We're going to be talking about purpose during the conference. The agenda over the next two days is packed with incredible speakers and panels that will give us plenty to consider and how to maximize our impact and influence as communicators and as advisors to key people in our respective organizations. It wouldn't be a conference without AI, would it? If you think about tracking things from a brand perspective through social listening tools, a lot of times by the time an issue has hit the brand, it's too late. We're talking about Gen Z, really important generation. The um, future of retail report showed that 87% of the Gen Z population was looking to corporations and associations to help address social and environmental challenges. So they are looking to you and to us to be part of that solution and help identify that pathway. At the same time, the Edelman Trust Barometer and their Gen Z lab found that Gen Z really wants to be part of those solutions. Two amazing keynote speakers. The CEO of Aflac, an iconic company. I thought it was a reasonable risk. We're in the risk business. We're not avoiding risk, we're managing risk. So I said, this is worth taking the chance. But when I told people that we were gonna take a duck and that duck was gonna quack Aflac, there was dead silence because we hadn't made the commercial yet. And I realized right then not to tell anybody else, but I had just bet my entire life on a damn duck. One of most Compelling voices of Gen Z, David Hogg, co-founder of March for Our Lives and Leaders We Deserve. To say that you aren't going to get political, right, when our society is increasingly getting to a place where everybody is going to be armed, essentially, because we're outsourcing the very role of government to the individual to ensure the collective security of people, it's going to hurt your bottom line. And you're going to have to become political if you want to have a company in that future. Good evening and welcome from Haymarket Media and PR Week to the fifth annual Purpose Awards. It is fantastic to be here in Chicago with you all tonight to celebrate our fifth annual Purpose Awards and the overall achievements of the PR industry this past year. The entries, shortlist, honorable mentions, and winners this year truly represent the benchmark of impactful work others can aspire to emulate. A very big thank you to our jury chair, Kristen Campos, Vice President of Corporate Affairs at Mars Food North America, for overseeing the process. Every year, these awards serve as an important opportunity to shine a light on the meaningful purpose-driven work being done in our industry. Best B2B. Best public awareness. Best use of technology. It's a chance to share the amazing campaigns that are making a difference in the world, making it a better place. Tonight, we'll recognize and celebrate your purpose-led work. The winner is Citizen Relations. Genentech and Cineos Health. Xeno Group. Tonight, I hope we will all be inspired because your work this year has been, well, truly inspiring. It's Adidas and current global runner 321. Big Brothers, Big Sisters of America. Hilton Grand Vacations. Urban Alchemy. I hope you'll leave tonight even more inspired to take action and amplify the impact. And I hope you'll continue to make the world a better place through your work in our industry in the next year and in many years ahead. Many years. The winner ahead. is. The winner is. The, the winner, winner is. is. Welcome to this special episode of the PR Week, recorded live in Chicago at PR Decoded Purpose Plus. 
I'm Frank Washkutch, executive editor of PR Week, and I will be joined today by our editorial team who had the chance to chat with our keynote speakers and a few additional panelists as they stepped off the stage. Hello, I am Kristen Campos. I am vice president of corporate affairs for Mars Food North America. Hey, it's Bradley Akibiro, partner at Bully Pulpit Interactive. Hi, Denise Panagos, vice president at Agami Group. But first, PR Week reporter Ewan Larkin had an early morning yesterday visiting a local school. Thanks for having me, Frank. Yeah, we were up early yesterday. We headed over to Rosa Parks Middle School, where we handed out some food uh, to some of the students, um, took a lovely picture and got to chat with some of the representatives there, got to speak with the superintendent. It was a lot of fun. School meals play an important role in a student's academic day. Students of all ages, it gives them an opportunity to be energized. They get better well started for the day. Their academic scores improve. It reduces absenteeism and um, tardiness. So just overall, important to have meals to start the student's day so that they can be well prepared for their day. The kids seemed very up for it. They were surprised by the selection of food and seemed to enjoy what they were what was on uh, offer. There was a nice, uh, some sort of like intricate smoothie machine that caught everybody's attention. It looked like um, some sort of some sort of piece of equipment, but I, I've heard that it actually does make smoothies. So that was a uh, that was that caught a lot of attention. Um, it was a great time. Uh, the kids complimented Brandon and I, in looking like models because we were wearing suits. So that was nice for the ego. Um, and then we headed back, and we had a great day at the first the first day of PR decoded, and we're on to the second one. We're keeping it rolling today, and we're excited for the rest of the content. Glad to hear the smoothie machine is indeed working. Yeah, it is. Thank you, Ewan. Now we bring you our conversations from PR Decoded, Purpose Plus. I'm here with Dan Amos. He's the CEO of Affleck. Tell us a little bit about how your company builds purpose into everything it does. Well, uh, being in the insurance business, part of purpose is making sure our policies pay to people with what we tell them we'll do. And as we have seen the cost of health care go up, people have had a lot of out-of-pocket expenses, a lot of things that create uh, financial burdens for them and we thought well how do we separate ourselves from the herd and um, interestingly enough we sell a cancer policy that is very very uh, big in Japan and um, we decided that that would be an area of focus for us and all of a sudden Someone from, at the time it was called Eggleston, but now it's called Children's Health Care of Atlanta, which is a combined Eggleston and Scottish Rite, which is the largest pediatric hospital in America and the largest cancer center in America, came to us wanting $25,000. And I said, well, I have no interest in $25,000, but the naming opportunity was $3 million. And I said, we might be interested in three million because then we'd be giving back to the community. And so we kind of, that was 27 years ago. And over a period of those years, we have now given $170 million to pediatric cancer through the cancer center. And we have the Aflac duck and we sell those ducks or we give them away, some of our agents do. And they run about $15, and we donate, like to everybody that's here today. There's 200 people. They'll all get a duck, and we'll donate roughly $3,000 to the Cancer Center in honor of this event. Uh, 
at the Aflac Cancer Center in Atlanta. And what's amazing is, uh, unfortunately, this is audio only, so people can't see your tie right now. But yeah. you do have the you do have the duck on your tie, even. It's it's all I wear. And the I, duck ties. <laughs> I, 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 you know, we've had the Aflac duck now for 23 years, and I haven't worn anything but a duck tie for 23 years. Uh, makes it easy to pick, right? Well, I'm a branding guy at heart. <laughs> so you know, it's interesting because. Um, I don't think a lot of people know that the duck is a part of what you do in terms of purpose. And uh, I know you're going to talk about that in a few minutes. And I, I think that's very, very interesting to a lot of people, just the way you have worked something so familiar to millions of people right. into your greater purpose theme. Well, we've been working hard at it. Let me tell you, do uh, you want to take a guess of how many ducks we've given away or sold since we started this um, program? Uh, 500 million. 50 million. 50, okay, 50, 50 million. Mi 50 million is how many we've given. Now remember, yeah. 50 million and you got 300 million people in America and yeah. 100 million in uh, Japan, so you got about 400 million. We're over 10% of the population ha have had one at some point in time. Mm -hmm. so, and, and we're moving hard to give more away. That is, that is pretty cool. Dan, thanks so much for joining oh, my us pleasure. At, at PR Dakota this week and for this, for this podcast as well. Thanks. Thank you. Bye-bye. Appreciate it. Hello, I'm Jess Rudiman, Senior Reporter at PR Week. Hello, I am Kristen Campos. I am Vice President of Corporate Affairs for Mars Food North America. Alrighty, and we're sitting here today. It's day two of PR Decoded Purpose Plus. And Kristen is also our jury chair for the awards that we had last night. Kristen, tell us a little bit about the awards. What are some of the highlights that you had from last night? Wow, the Purpose Awards were awe-inspiring. I, uh, first of all, the people in that room were incredibly impressive. Um, I won't say intimidating because it was a friendly crowd, but mm -hmm. the work that they have delivered to actually make an impact on the world, small or as large as it may be, uh, what that impact may be, were, was just really incredible. And I think that's what uh, draws me to our profession, keeps me in our profession, and uh, keeps me going, like, you know, trying to strive for more. Mm -hmm. The last couple of years, obviously the last three years in particular, have been so impactful, purposeful in many different ways coming off of the pandemic. I feel like this past year was almost the first almost back to normal year that we've had. So kind of looking at campaigns that not necessarily are straying away from health, but are more to do than just health and looking at reflecting on things like the pandemic and obviously the heroes coming out of that. What was different this year about the purposeful campaigns and how you kind of focused where we felt the bigger and more important campaigns fell? Uh, I think that scale and impact for me were the things that I looked at most. I think there was a really more of a heavy skew now towards uh, EIND. I think there were some incredible movements, and I'll call them movements, that were started s simply through a PR idea. I think that citizen relations is is one of those ideas that was the big winner for the night. Um, I think also that Adidas uh, 321 uh, campaign was inspiring as well and, and, and there were so many others as well I can't I can't name them all but um, I will say it was the, the small ideas that sparked bigger movements mm -hmm. and I know you said in your speech that we had at the awards last night that you know so many of the presentations that campaigns kind of brought you to tears in a lot of ways oh. the citizen relations one in particular though not so much that it was moving in the emotional sense but it's like you said the tiny things it's something that you don't really think about having a name that's not recognized by you know word docs or other things that it underlines the name in red how did that how did you feel watching that campaign as somebody who has you know a regular name that wouldn't necessarily yeah. be underlined but realizing how that affects other people and how that small change can really make an impact you know, I think hearing specifically from people who have a name that isn't recognized in, in the dictionary or in the Microsoft dictionary, 
um, and in those videos was um, was proof enough for me to know that it was something that needed to change. I think just having a, something as simple as a plugin to change that squiggly line under someone's name and get, help them to feel, I hate to say validated, but like their name is normalized for everyone else to recognize as well. Um, it could have a very big impact on billions of people worldwide. So this year, I know we're PR purpose, decoded purpose. That's our theme that we've had across the last five or six years that we've been doing this. And this year, we've kind of taken it into different ways. We're talking about ESG, sustainability and fashion and food and other forms of purpose. What does purpose mean to you right now? Like I said, I think purpose is um, a a small action that can create a bigger impact and then a ripple effect that could create a movement no matter what area of change you're you're going for it can make a big difference in making the world a better place Alrighty, with that we're hoping to get to some drinks soon thank you so much kristen for joining me i really appreciate it it was my pleasure hi everyone i'm brandon door reporter at pr week hey it's bradley akibiro partner at bully pulpit interactive bradley how's your day going so far oh it's been great incredible sessions today how does it feel to be at uh, dakota this year Dakota's been awesome. We've been having a ton of fun. There's a lot of incredible content. I think it's really, really relevant. Um, and I've just been having a great time. Thanks for putting this on. If you've had a chance to check out a, a few panels so far, uh, any stand out to you? Do you have a particular favorite you've uh, you've seen or any topic uh, that you are particularly interested in seeing getting covered this year? Well, I think, first of all, you guys started with David Hogg this morning, which is fantastic. I think he's got not only an incredible story, but is doing really, really meaningful things in the world right now. Um, and I think just given the state of our democracy, it's incredibly, incredibly important. Uh, I may be a little bit biased, but I also am a big fan of the uh, panel that we put on. Uh, this is BPI and uh, Maslansky Partners. And we talked a little bit about the shift from ESG language uh, to responsible business and what that looks like. What did you make of the uh, the audience response to the to the panel? And uh, have you had any conversation with folks about how it's went and, you know, what the impressions have been of, of how that panel went? We got great feedback. I actually, this is the PR Week Purpose Conference. And so being able to be here and talk to folks who are all very, very attuned to this space has been nice because we're having pretty robust conversations with people who are going through these exact challenges. It's been a ton of fun, actually, to talk to folks about what they've been seeing in their day to day and how certain semantic changes can actually create incredible shifts. And so the response has been great. The dialogue's been great. It's been a great place to make some new relationships. Awesome. Awesome. And then in terms of uh, topics that you maybe don't actually see get talked about very often, uh, are there any that you've seen get discussed here that you were particularly excited to, to see get discussed? There were a lot of great sessions. I think there were some really good ones. Actually, I thought the one that you hosted on responsible fashion was incredible. Sustainable fashion was incredible. I think the conversations uh, that we've had across the past couple of days have been fantastic. But I think what's nice is we went a step deeper than the surface level on a lot of these topics and really went down into how are industries being impacted and I think the offshoot of that is as consumers, which we all are, particularly with the panel that you hosted, um, we're able to kind of get a sense of not only the workings and mechanics of how operatives within that space think about it, but how it actually translates to us and how we think about these brands as consumers. Really well done. 
What do you see as uh, some of the essential next steps for the, the topics that are getting discussed on stage? Uh, what are some of the conversations that you know we need to follow up and have? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I think when you're actually thinking about uh, these conversations, particularly, I think we're all communicators here. So we talked about uh, responsible business and ESG semantics, for example, in our conversation. I think the next step is for folks to actually take a look at their own programs and figure out, are they as impactful as they can be? You know, companies are not shifting how much they're investing in things like ESG. What they need to figure out is how do we actually shift the conversation because folks have co-opted the narrative and ESG is a representative of a field that is not going away, right? And so thinking about what the next phase is, do we still call it ESG? Do we still even talk about these things in terms of purpose? These are big questions for our industry but we are the ones who are going to bring that conversation and create that change if it happens. And so I think as we go uh, forth from this conversation, we got to figure out what's applicable in that way. Awesome. Awesome. Bradley Akibiro, thanks for, for tuning in. This is Frank Washcook at PR Decoded in Chicago this weekend. We have a great guest for you on the special edition of the podcast, and that's Ashley Etienne. She's a senior advisor at Weber Shanwick. Ashley, Hi. welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having and me. And thanks for joining us on stage. Of course. So you talked about the rapid changes that are happening across business, politics, PR industry, yeah. especially AI. What do you see as the biggest, most frightening changes? Well, most frightening change is that um, everything is becoming political now. And what I've noticed, having now started to advise some of the biggest companies, most successful and profitable companies in the country, is that they're not suited for this current environment. They don't have the right people at the table. They don't know what to look for. Um, and so that, to me, I think is the scariest thing for, for companies. Um, I was saying on stage, when I left the political communications political space, I flirted with just about every corporation and every tech company imaginable. And I, what I was surprised by is a lack of vision about what to do with somebody like me with these skill sets, mm. right? When you're in, coming from a political environment, you know, not only do you know policy, people, culture, but we're at the forefront of all the disruption that's happening. All the disruption now that we're seeing um, that, you know, in terms of the expectations of corporations now, um, to be more social, more engaged in social um, events, news, um, those types of things. Um, we, we've done that in spades in the political space. Mm -hmm. And so I think corporations need to start making room for people like me at their tables. Like you don't need another person that can, you know, that knows uh, spreadsheets or, you know what I mean? Or, or knows the street, you know what I mean? Yeah. You need someone who can really see the entire playing field and understand, you know, vulnerabilities and risk and stakeholders, you know, and everything from policy to culture and how to integrate it all, mm -hmm. right? Because when you're in political communications, you're as a communications director, you're the nucleus. So you're not only developing the strategy, you're working across every discipline to execute on that strategy. Very different than what I'm seeing in corporations where they're quite segmented. So that's what I think is scary is that most of these corporations are not suited and built for the current environment, part, partly because they don't have the right people at the table. They're not diversifying their talent, but also they, they need to you know look at um, partners like Weber Shanwick and other firms that are doing a lot of AI work right um so we're giving our clients the tools to make educated informed strategic decisions about 
which way to go, what to say when and to who, rather than I think a lot of firms out there and a lot of corporations are doing now where they're putting their thumb in the air, engaging, you know, where to go rather than it based on data it's and expertise. It's interesting you say that because if you look at the Bud Light crisis or you look at others, there, there does seem to be this lack of understanding that, oh, this could become political. Absolutely. You know, whether it's well-intended or not, that it could become a firestorm. Absolutely. Um, how has it changed with the emergence of AI over the past few years? Um, you know, what do you see as the biggest impacts there? Yeah, I mean, I think to your point, you know, as a communicator, I always start from the worst case right. scenario, right? right? right, and right, I, right. I don't know if this is a political person in me because politics now seems to be the worst of the worst, but I always start from like, what's the worst case scenario? And let's strategize backwards from that. I've found that people that are in these incorporations, in these communication shops aren't thinking about the world that way, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what these what's needed today. So in terms of AI, I mean, I'm just, I'm used to looking at polls, political polls. We even got polls in the White House so you can see sort of where people are and what issues. But I'm really, I've been struck by the level of sophistication of AI and how AI can really inform the strategy. At Weber Shanwick, we partner with a firm called uh, Blackbird. Mm -hmm. And Blackbird, and the benefit of what Blackbird produces for our clients is they give you a sense of your stakeholders, what are they saying, where are they saying it, at what volume, what's the tone and tenor of what they're saying, so that you're responding not to whims. You know, uh, uh, Joe Biden used to say to us all the time, you know, Twitter is not real life. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Right. Like, and when you hear that from, well, a, from an 80-year-old man, you're like, yeah. it's kind of sobering. And well, now like, it's not even Twitter. Right, it's now something it's else. Absolutely, right? And so, so anyway, so I think you, AI sort of cuts through all of that noise and gives you the data you need to make an informed strategic decision on yeah. what to say, when to say it, and who to say it to. You know, and it's really interesting, too, because we're we're talking this week about Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it. Oh, yeah, and, forget it's X. Sorry. And it's, you know, so much misinformation and disinformation about the war in Israel and Absolutely. the war in the Middle East um, going on right now. And, and it really... It's frightening, right? I mean, how, if you're a company, do you respond to it all? Do you monitor it all? Because it's it's just a frightening amount of info, isn't it? Well, it absolutely is. And this is gets to my point about the political people being at the forefront of these things. Yeah. We've been dealing with disinformation for, I think, the last probably since 2016. Yeah. Right? In the, you know, in the Hillary Clinton, um, in the race for the White House then with around Hillary Clinton. So this, I mean, it's just a growing problem. Mm -hmm. It's very scary. You know, one of, if you don't mind me, Dr. Digressing for a second, but one of my favorite scenes in Austin Powers' movie um, was when Doctor Evil was frozen, yeah. and then they thaw him out. Right? Uh, I don't know what the technical word for thaw, thaw him out is, but I, they thaw I him. don't think we've ever had an Austin Powers <laughs> reference on on this podcast, it's, it's only get despite better. having an English host. So this is a first, and this is good. So let's. Keep I'm it glad going. I can provide yeah. it. So nevertheless, so so Doctor Evil's frozen for a couple yeah. of years. I don't know how many years it was. He comes back and he runs it. You know, number two greets him and he says well what have you been doing while i was frozen number two says i've been buying up all the media and he was like well that's the dumbest thing i've ever heard of he's like no if you control the inputs you control yeah. the outputs and that's what makes disinformation so scary is because there's so many nefarious actors, foreign and domestic, that are now controlling the inputs that are really um, having a corrosive effect 
on society in our minds, right? It's it's almost like I say now I'm living in an alternate universe, like I'm I'm stuck in the matrix in some respects. So it is very scary. And so to your point, how can what do corporations do when they're in that sort of environment? And that's why I think the AI really is very important because mm-hmm. it, it it enables you to cut through again because disinformation is noise. It enables you to cut through that noise. The other thing is. We were just talking about Apple Cor- a cart, mm-hmm. who we have a partnership with, another AI firm. And what they do, which is really incredible, is they do sort of surround sound effect. They identify your key stakeholders and then they bombard them with good information. Yeah. And not just them, but the people who they are in community with. So you sort of bombard the entire community with good information. You're micro-targeting those people that really matter to you. So AI is being used in a lot of those ways to um, to advantage companies and then to be able to break through and cut through the noise of disinformation. But it is a growing problem, and I don't really know how we get out of that cycle. It's it's really interesting and horrifying all at the same time. What advice do you give companies or CEOs when they say, I'm really unsure if I want to take a stand on a hot-button issue? Um, because we hear a lot about that, you know, just executives saying, I, I just don't know when is the right moment to step out. How loudly do I step out? Where do I do it? What's your advice in a situation like that? My advice is first is really trust your instincts. I mean, I think most good, effective CEOs, you know, you don't become a CEO without having solid instincts mm-hmm. um, and, and understanding people and how to manage and run successful businesses, obviously. So that's the first thing I think is listen, listen to your gut. Um, the second thing is I, I would say maybe we in the PR space overcorrected. Maybe we gave, I think we're trying to evaluate that now. Like maybe we gave bad information, which is way in, way in, way in. Um, and much of that was biased. Yeah. Right. Because I'm a liberal progressive person and I think you should weigh in on voting rights, right? Whether or not that was the right decision for Coca-Cola or, you know, Microsoft, I don't really know, but I'm coming at it from a very biased position. But that's where I think the AI has been incredibly um, transformative and instructive in a lot of ways because it really eliminates the bias. It eliminates sort of the, you know, to some extent, even the gut, right? And the instinct and really gives you the data you need to determine should I, shouldn't I, at what point and to who? Mm Because that's the most important thing. You you know, you can make a statement and make it publicly, but if, if, you know, if your stakeholders are internal, that's the wrong strategy, mm-hmm. right? And so I think understanding that and the AI, I think, has been very informative in that way. All right. All right. Ashley, thanks again for thank joining you. us. And thanks for joining us on stage today. Yeah, Decoding. thank you for having me. See you in D.C. Yes. All right. All right. Hi, I'm Jess Ruderman. I'm senior reporter at PR Week. Hi, Denise Panagos, vice president at Agami Group. We are sitting today on day two of PR Week's PR Decoded. Purpose Plus is the theme of this year. What does purpose mean to you? Purpose means to me really embedding honesty and authenticity in the work that we do. At my company, we work with multicultural audiences in everything that we do. So purpose is naturally a part of it. It must be in order for it to actually reach consumers authentically and resonate and be successful. So purpose should really just be one of the ABCs really for consumers and for communicators. And I know you're coming right off of your panel that's talking a lot about the history of PR. What is important about understanding the purpose behind the people that created the industry that we're all a part of or I'm covering, but you're a part of? Absolutely. Yeah. 
I learned a lot in understanding the hidden figures and the hidden individuals in public relations. Coming up in this industry, we see the same faces, usually white men, and we hear the same names that have been so successful in our industry and started some of the big giant companies that so many of us have worked for. And for that, we're grateful, but we are not used to seeing people that look like us, men and women of color that have amazing legacies and stories. First black owned PR firm, first Hispanic owned PR firm by a woman. There's so many stories that have helped shape us and they're just not told because they haven't been recorded or perhaps they're not in the PR textbooks and therefore they don't make their way to our onboarding materials and our emails, right? We don't even know these names and we should. And especially as we think about junior talent, we need to be able to see in this diverse country that there are men and women that came before us that look just like us. And that's inspiring for us to want to be in this industry as communicators. Mm -hmm. At our awards last night, we had a lot of winning campaigns that really highlighted being able to see yourself in the work, you know, whether it's in advertisements, whether it's in campaign promotion, publicly working with clients and things like that. But how is how important is it to also see those internally? I know we're talking about people that paved the way, diverse people that led the way within PR, but how is it important to still continue to see that, especially up in senior leadership, which is something that we've kind of seen across the industry is still a problem today. So incredibly important. I work at a black female founded and led organization. And all we do is multicultural work across different communities. And being at this company, I've realized I've been at many other places where there are award-winning campaigns and they're reaching multi-ethnic audiences and it's fantastic and they work. But we have to look around internally within our own walls first, because how can we really tell an authentic story if we don't have the right authentic people at the table? So I think it's incredibly important, not just as we think about the outputs and the great work that we're all doing, but where are these stories coming from? Where are these insights coming from? Are we just researching them? Are they part of strategy or are they lived experiences that we've all had to help better tell the story? So I think it's incredibly important. And many, many companies have upped their diversity and inclusion and DE&I efforts. So it's great to see. And it's something that is now no longer an effort and just sort of a part of what we all do. So I, I hope to see more of that. Mm-hmm. Do you think, not necessarily under purpose, but I feel like putting these things in a sector like DNI, like ESG, kind mm-hmm. of separates them from the overall purpose of everyday work. Do you think that hurts or helps in a way to underscore these efforts in a way that they are able to shine on their own, but also makes them separate in a way? That's such an interesting question. I think there's been different phases of where it hurts and where it helps. And it also depends on how leadership positions it. It absolutely helps because the industry has changed and we've seen so many of these names and faces evolve over the years. So that's fantastic. And it's sort of matching what we're seeing out in the country as far as consumers. But then when we continue to separate the groups and talk about DE&I and have employee resource groups as important as they are, it, it does segment people sometimes and it does separate. So I think it's a case by case basis and leadership really needs to be mindful of how it comes across. Often it's well-intentioned, but making sure that it's not so segmented. Mm -hmm. I know that strays a little bit from PR Dakota, but you're an expert and I felt like I just needed to ask out of my own pure curiosity. (laughs) It's okay. Thanks so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Great to chat with you. 
Hi, my name is Ewan Larkin. I'm the corporate reporter at PR Week. I'm sitting here with David Hogg, one of our keynote speakers on day two of PR Dakota. David, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I just wanted to get started here and I ask you, you know, you've done a lot of work recently in engaging young younger audiences in Gen Z and politics. How do we how do we go about that? Um, and if you want to speak a little bit about your new organization, Leaders We Deserve, um, how do we go about that and why is it so important to do so? Yeah, I mean... Um I think the way that you engage younger audiences is speaking to the issues that they care about, talking not just about buying a product, but really about the why of like what your company represents, what you represent. You know, I think it's easy. It's also important to remember that people don't invest in organizations. A lot of the time they invest in people, they invest in like CEOs that they want to trust and things like that. And um, I think that's part of the work that we're doing with leaders we deserve. They might not be CEOs, but they're, uh, you know, leader future leaders for our democracy. What we do is we're, we're trying to elect more young people to state legislatures and Congress um, to help bring our generation into power, to reflect them demographically and ideologically, so that when there's awful policies that are passed that are very discriminatory, like don't say gay laws or, um, you know, permitless carry laws that endanger our communities, that young people see themselves represented in office and know that not all hope is lost. Because I think the greatest threat to democracy long term is the fact that we're raising a generation of young people in their civics classes learning about why democracy is the greatest form of government while they are potentially could die at any moment in those very civics classes by a mass shooter. And in terms of, you know, at PR Week, we obviously deal a lot with brands and how they communicate with younger audiences and such. How can brands get involved in this and engage younger audiences is through grassroots mobilization, through social or other forms? Is there a way, is there a place for them in this um, environment and how do they go about doing it effectively? Well, I think that's a good question. Um, I think the best way for them to get involved and be as as effective as possible is just to be honest. You know, like I think the best comm strategy is having a good product in the first place. It's it's having, you know, a good being a good person in the first place, being a good and honest, you know, CEO or or team of people and, and, you know, talking about the work that you are doing and not just letting it stand on its own. I think in the most ideal world, the best the best CEOs, the best company leaders are people that don't need to fake anything, but really are just themselves or authentic. And all their comms team needs to do is just tell that story in the first place and not need to frame or or spin anything because the spin doesn't need to be there because it's just a good company. Yeah, I think, and I think that's so important too because, you know, a couple of years ago we saw a lot of brands getting involved in this, you know, this mm-hmm. purpose and, you know, showcasing all the different ways that they're a purposeful organization, but they really need to back it, back it up as well on top of that. You know, it's mm-hmm. been a couple of years later and we've seen a lot of them maybe wane back on the policies or things yeah. they were doing. And I know at least anecdotally amongst my experience, a lot of Gen Zers or younger audiences are deeply distrustful of, of these course. organizations. So they really need to kind of back it up prove it would you say yes why well, I, I will tell you the worst thing that you could do is say that you care about something and then not do anything about it and yeah. just talk about it and i think it's incumbent on you know cmos in particular and different marketing officers to say look it, we're willing to do this and talk about this but the reality is we are not going to talk about this unless there is some kind of internal guarantee that we actually are going to follow through if we say we care about racial justice like we're going to invest in different organizations like the NAACP and help support them or any any other cause that you care about and not just say it, you know, but actually do it, yeah. right? Um, because in the short term, claiming that you care about something may help you, but if you aren't actually doing something about the thing that you claim to be caring about, it's going to hurt you, right? Because Gen Z is already incredibly suspicious of organizations in general. Uh, they don't trust a lot of traditional nonprofits. They don't trust a lot of corporations. And there's a reason for that. And it's because our generation has seen things like the BP oil spill. 
right? We've seen things like all of these different schemes where there are awful things that a lot of companies do. And then we see a bunch of PR people come in and talk about, you know, how everything's better without actually doing yeah. anything about it in the first place. And it may be good for your next quarterly board meeting with your shareholders, but it's actually detrimental for your earnings in the long term if you aren't actually building a solid brand that is built on a reputation of trust and honesty with young people. Fantastic. Thanks, David. Thank you. Thank you to all of our panelists and attendees. For more information on PR Decoded, head to PRWeek.com or PRDecoded.com, and we'll see you next time on the PR Week.